0: When were the... There you go. What school <laughs> Who decides what the next... Where's that story? Why they keep the loop... What is this? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions... About Chicago, the region, and its people.
1: Hi, I'm Becky Vivi, an education reporter at WBEZ, and I'm here to tackle a question from Julie. She's from Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Julie didn't want to say more about herself, but here's what she wanted to know. There is reporting about how Chicago Public Schools is slowly getting better. Was there ever a time when they were good?
0: That's a great question. Fair enough. Great question. I have quite a bit to say about that because it's an interesting question.
1: It is a great question, and I've heard many versions of it during my time covering CPS. I want to answer it because it forces people, including me, to challenge what we think we know about public schools. Because a lot of
0: times people are bringing so much baggage of their own to that question that there is no answer I can give that's going to satisfy them. They already know more or less what they want to hear.
1: Before we get a handle on whether CPS was ever good, We gotta clarify what we mean. Good is pretty subjective, and there's lots of ways to judge a school district across time, like graduation rates, standardized test scores, or safety. We settled on judging good by when CPS did well in preparing students for successful careers. Job readiness is a consistent expectation, and I figured we'd be able to compare one era to another more easily. So let's get started. I've gone down several reporting rabbit holes and interviewed lots of people for this story. And I started to think that our answer could be the 1940s. Chicago has
0: 409 school buildings housing over 360,000 students ranging from kindergarten through the city college.
1: The 1940s was the culmination of a series of unprecedented investments in public education, mostly from the federal government. The Smith-Hughes Act in 1917 funneled millions into vocational training. Chicago schools got programs in accounting, drafting, welding, even something called household arts. After a dip in funding during the Great Depression, there was the New Deal and the war effort that brought even more vocational programs. One example, in 1939, the city built Chicago Vocational High School, which, for a few years, was run entirely by the U.S. Navy to train young men in aviation mechanics. Based on our measurement of job readiness, it seems like this was when CPS was good. This was CPS's golden era. There's never been a golden era. Dion Danz, an education historian at Indiana University. I feel like oftentimes people point to that era as the golden era. But that's because their jobs were available.
0: And again, most people weren't even in high school. It's not a golden era. The jobs were there. You didn't have to go to school for a job.
1: Dan says in this era, it's important to remember those people training for blue collar and middle class jobs. They were mostly white men. For example, in 1946, Chicago Vocational High School enrolled 2,721 students. Just 204 were girls. And Dan says, forget about minorities.
0: If you are Mexican-American, it meant that you're only going to be prepared for certain types of jobs. If you're American Indian, you're only going to be prepared for certain types of jobs. If you're black, you're only going to be prepared for certain types of jobs.
1: Okay, so the 1940s, not a golden era. Only certain children had access, and the schools weren't really necessary to get a job anyway. Let's continue our thought experiment. Maybe the golden era at CPS was in the next few decades. Maybe the 1960s. After all, there was a fundamental shift around this time. Women and African Americans were finally getting into schools that could lead to higher-paying jobs and to college it seemed like integration was actually happening.
0: This is 1964, uh, room 108 in the kindergarten in Avalon Park. This and is
1: Paul so Gorin, the sure superintendent of Evanston District itself. 65. It's a, it's a, He's pointing to a photo on his office it's wall. It's his kindergarten uh, uh, picture, in an integrated classroom on Chicago's south side with a balance of about half white and children and half black and children. Kids. I think
0: most of the kids are smiling too, if we, except for the young girl up here with her eyes closed. The next picture is 1968. There are three white children in this class of about 30, 32. The three white children here were the last three white children in the entire school.
1: I asked Warren, what happened to all the white kids?
0: So what I remember very distinctly was arguments that kids were making saying, we're moving. Oh, why are you moving? And the answer was because the schools are, are not good. And that sort of confused me because the schools didn't seem to be any different than what they were when they were, frankly, all white.
1: To put it bluntly, white parents were fleeing the district because they didn't want their kids in school with black kids. By the 1970s, CPS created policies to integrate the schools. The district started its first magnet schools, many that are still successful today. Whitney Young, Disney, Inter-American... Magnet schools had special programs and extra resources that would attract both white students and African-Americans. Gorn, who's white, went to one and says for students who got into these schools, most went on to good careers.
0: For me, the golden era of Chicago public schools self-servingly was the four years I spent in Metro High School.
1: But a lot of kids weren't that lucky. The magnets were isolated islands of success. And if you didn't get into one, it was a mixed bag. Here's Susan Lofton. She was a CPS student at the time. I know that during the 70s, there was a lot of strife because I was in public school in the 70s. I went to a high school where there were gangs. I went to a high school where I did not like to use the ladies bathroom because of what was going on in there. So the 1970s, not so golden. Let's stick with Susan Lofton a bit more because her connection to the schools spans more than one era. She became a teacher at a time a lot of people think CPS hit rock bottom, the 1980s. From 1979 to 1987, the district kept running out of money. Teachers went on strike nine times. Districts started measuring achievement and dropout rates. And then guess what happened? In 1987, then U.S. Secretary of Education William Bennett characterized Chicago schools as, quote, the worst in the nation. Lofton even remembers a time in the early 90s when CPS couldn't make payroll. And then all of a sudden told, do not report to work on Monday. And I remember going to an unemployment office where there was literally a roped off area for teachers to go be processed. In 1995, the Illinois General Assembly gave total control of CPS to the mayor, Richard M. Daley. This started the last era we're going to consider, basically our current era, one of accountability and choice. And I'm going to suggest something that might surprise you. Maybe, just maybe, this is CPS's golden era. Robin Staines leads a group called Advance Illinois. She says most people assume CPS does not do its job and it's dragging down the rest of the state. We found that it's not true, that in fact, Interestingly, Chicago has made quite steady progress, both academically and in terms of some pretty critical outcomes like graduation. Their graduation rates have climbed steadily and at a faster rate than the state as a whole. Um, Their academic performance has climbed steadily and at a rate faster than the state as a whole. Staines flips through a PowerPoint that shows how low-income black and Hispanic students are doing, Compared with other low-income Black and Hispanic students in other districts, and this is Latino students, and these are African American students, and you can this is the median, mm-hmm. and we're outperforming. If you asked a person on the street, and maybe you'll do that, do you think CPS graduates more or less, you know, Latino students than your average high school district? My guess is people would say less. I'm looking at like who we beat: Main Township. Wow, Evanston. We beat Evanston surprises you, right? Chicago actually does a better job. Now, I've reported on CPS for the last four years. I've covered the noise, the dysfunction, the teacher strike, the 50 school closings. But I've also reported on schools that are trying everything to improve. Remember Susan Lofton, the teacher in the unemployment line? She's now the principal of one of those schools, Sen High School. Lofton took over in 2010, and at the time... The school had a bad name. Nobody would send their kid here. ABS, anywhere but Sen. And now, the school is finally shaking off that reputation. Lofton created an arts magnet program and expanded the International Baccalaureate Program, which was once a hidden gem no one knew much about. Long story short, Sen's strategy of becoming a little like a magnet school but still focusing on neighborhood students, it's working, and lots of other schools are trying it. But Lofton says her biggest hurdle to changing the school's reputation has nothing to do with academics. The first day I got here, I took the red line. I myself could barely get through the station to get myself to school. There were a lot of my kids there that were just loitering because, hey, we don't go to school on time here. So now, she and other administrators start every morning at the Thorndale Red Line stop, shuffling students along and calling the cops on anyone else who, as she says, has no business being there. I need to state the obvious here. Lofton is not only responsible for getting kids ready for college, she has to clean up the L stop near her school. Since when is that the job description of a principal or teacher? Think about it, we expect schools to do so much, more than we've ever expected them to do, and for more and more students. We've searched for a time when CPS schools were good, and the latest trends would tempt me to say the time we're looking for, it's right now. When I jumped into this thought experiment, frankly, I brought my own ideas about CPS. I cover the schools every day and tend to focus more on the bad than the good. For that, I have to say, I'm sorry. But I'm also not convinced that this is the golden era. There is a lot of work to be done, and that bad stuff I report on, it really happens. Even if the concept of a golden age is impossible, I think we still need to step back and always be looking at what works, what doesn't, and who is not being served. Reporting for our story comes from me, Becky Vivi. thanks to our question asker, Julie. Now, some homework for you. The Curious City podcast hits you up each week with stories about our region. So far this season, we've looked at how skyscrapers get built in Chicago's mucky soil, how Casimir pulaski Day got started, and when the region's traffic is at its worst. Subscribe to the Curious City podcast in the iTunes store, or head to our website, wbez.org curiouscity Curious City. Curious City was founded by Jennifer Brandel, WBEZ, AIR, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City on WBEZ is supported by New Belgium Brewing, which believes some of our best and most memorable times come from slowing down, taking it easy, and letting it all sink in. Enjoy a Slow Ride Session IPA at New Belgium's Slow Ride Sessions, opportunities crafted to give a reprieve from the hustle. New Belgium and Good Beer Hunting are partnering with Chicago's best artisans and makers to share their practices in intimate, hands-on sessions, giving folks a chance to check out from their day-to-day and enjoy learning something meaningful over a few beers. Learn more at newbelgium.com.
0: Next time on Curious City, in Chicago, if you know how the street grid is laid out, you can always calculate how far you are from, say, the loop as long as you have a street number. I think it's like eight blocks per mile, right? Okay. So, um, fifty one divided by eight. So roughly about seven, six, six and a half, seven. Yes. This is great, so you know the system. But where did that system come from? We find out. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.